Now, she's talking worldly kingdom, but she had such a confidence in her voice that just said, in this kingdom, she says, I know the king. The king has directed me. And in this kingdom, this is what's going to happen. Then we went to Paris, and there's a very kingly history in Paris to the effect that the king, Louis XIV, when he went to bed, he had people that celebrated him going to bed. <laughs> like this, this, this just boggled my mind. The, the picture of what the king had. He had people that celebrated him waking up in the morning. That's all they did. And I'm looking at that going, can I get a glimpse? Can I get a glimpse of what my king? I mean, now I'm going to say something. I do this. I'm wearing jeans. We come sometimes come so casually into the king's presence. He's the king. And he's not just the king of one area. He's the king of the whole world. He's the king of the universe. Nothing happens in this universe without the king's permission. I'll take it another step. Queen Elizabeth, when they were honoring her and they were installing the new king, they actually told people there's certain ways to bow and there's certain ways that you don't bow. And the king, in one moment, he established what he wanted. And everybody gave their ear to what he said and did what he said. And what's amazing is when he says something, the people, the subjects, the ambassadors, those that are around him, carry out his every wish and command. Like, I'm, I'm baffled by this. We're, we're walking through this palace. The king actually had somebody that he would just all the person did was hung around the king because the king needed somebody to talk to. He was the person. That's all he did. He was the king's confidant. And, and they had all this protocol, all this. And I'm looking at it going, this is earthly. But can we take it and think of it spiritually? Because there are some, I know this is a human principle, this is human established, but there are some principles of a kingdom that we see here that actually have a spiritual dynamic. I, I wasn't going to say this, but I woke up last week in Nairobi, and for about 45 minutes, I just wrote notes. And it was radical. It was radical. It's like, I don't have to pray to God to heal. He actually said, go and heal. So Andrew and Becky, you have authority to say, be healed. Not because of me, but because of you and because of Jesus. And, and, and like... It, it was just radical. It's like, I, I, I just got a glimpse of some kingly and some kingdom thinking, and they use it in their vocabulary, and it's like, that's how they think. That's how they think. The king says, in this kingdom. So I'm here to tell you, the words that are in here dictate this kingdom that I live in.
And this kingdom says, I've given you power and authority. And this kingdom actually is pretty radical. Like the freedom, the freedom in this kingdom is unparalleled. The freedom that this kingdom has, Paul says, all things are, are okay for me. Not everything is expedient. The freedom that we have is so huge, we have to be careful. Come on. The freedom that I have in Christ is so overwhelming, I have to manage it very carefully because it is so overwhelming. I have to manage it for me, and I have to manage it so I don't offend you. But I live free because the king said so. We'll get to my slides, but um, the word that God gave me was just radical to the point where I have to sit down and look at it very carefully because I think some people would look at me and say, that's ridiculous, that's over the limit, that's over the boundaries, you've pushed it too far. But when I look at God's kingdom, it is radical. Yes? Will you hear that word? Yes, I need to study it. Because I was writing things left, right, and center. And I'm like, okay, just write this down and study it. But I will. But the authority of the believer. Uh, it was like, I'll just give you one little snippet, one little thing, the power of what you say. Adam, here's, here's a thought in conjunction with this. Heaven does what earth says. Earth does not do what heaven says. Heaven does what earth says, as in what you and I say. I've already got your attention. Adam, when he was naming the animals, he gave them a name. You can read this. And it says God and him were talking. He gave them the name, and whatever he named them, that's what they were. Think about that. God says, Jesus says, when one of the keys of the kingdom... I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'll say this again another time when I prepare it better. But one of the keys of the kingdom, it says, you'll bind, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It doesn't say whatever you bind in heaven will be bound here. He says, what you do here, heaven acknowledges. So if you allow things to happen here in this earth, there are some things that you allow, some things that you call, and they happen because heaven says you said it that's what it is. Whether it's positive or negative. And you say, well, God, wouldn't he correct it? No, he gave us the mind of Christ. So I'm, I'm looking at, I, I wrote for like 45 minutes. I'm going, just, I, I couldn't stop writing. And I, I just want to, Challenge your thinking. Challenge your paradigm. I, I, I was praying for somebody this morning. I wasn't praying. I just said, well, do you believe it? Yes, you're healed. It's like, I got to just start doing it. Jesus, I'm reading this morning in Mark, he sends out the 12, two by two, and he says, go out. He says, and, and you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And I'm, I'm trying to understand what this looks like because in the name of Jesus, or do I just say, come here because I have the ability to heal you. Not me, but me. I'm trying to understand that. It's not about David, it's about him. But because I'm his ambassador, I have that. It flows through me. It's radical. 
It's radical. So as we're praying today, if you've got a situation you're facing, speak the word to it and say, be healed, be gone, be delivered. Don't come back. Get radical. You say, what if it doesn't work? Keep doing it and come talk to Pastor Nelson. <laughs> because he might talk to me after I get down there. But I think, I, I was just shocked when I was watching the news and they're interviewing her and this lady, the ambassador, just had no qualm to say, no, in this kingdom, in this kingdom, in this kingdom. It's like, wow. She didn't doubt herself. She didn't go, well, I'm not sure. No, in this kingdom, this is what's going to happen. In this kingdom, in this house, this is what's going to happen. And then if you read Mark 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, if you read those six chapters alone, you'll come up with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. You're thankful I'm just telling you this right now. 13 times where Jesus does something and it gets so overwhelming, the whole city or everybody comes to listen to him. Okay. Do you... Can you receive that? I, I'm, not, I'm not satisfied with just yada, 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 yada. I want what happens here Sunday morning. I've got pictures in my head of a church service that looks completely different. Worship is, is, is a huge element. But I see fellowship. I see relationship. I see authority. I see us growing together, brothers and sisters, encouraging each other. I see people coming in, and they, it's, it's not the same old, same. I, I don't want the same old, same old. I, I'm 56 years old. Next week, my birthday, by the way, I'll be 57. <laughs> Bring presents next Sunday. It'll be a day after my birthday, but I will accept them. But I'm 56 years old. I've grown up in the church. I was talking to some people this in the last couple weeks that are much older than me, almost 80 years old, and they're going, we're not satisfied. I don't have the solution, but what I see, I'm not satisfied with, and I'm looking at that. And I'm going, I'm not... The disciples laid hands on people that got healed. They had troubles with one, and they said, what do we do? And Jesus said, that doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. It's like, start, I don't want to, I just want to encourage you, start thinking kingdom-wise. 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 Amen. 1052. Okay. This week, announcements. I'll say them in King James language just to keep it going well. The weekly calendar has given us some dates to remind ourselves to put on our chronometers. Tuesday night, Laban's Bible study is here at 7 o'clock. There is some things out from a previous... Uh, Ladies Bible study, that's Tuesday. Thursday, Diamonds is meeting at Ricky's at 11.30. All right. 11.30, Ricky's, Diamonds is meeting. Bring a few dollars so you can buy yourself some lunch. And then Friday, November the 4th, the day before my birthday, the youth are meeting. Um, that's at 6.30. And then Saturday, November the 5th is... Oh, I didn't see that in there. My birthday, but um, those are the announcements for this week. Um, Olivia, can you come up here? Amen. He has. Amen. Amen. Amen? Who here 
we'll try to think a little bit more kingdom-wise. The royal edict. Hallelujah. We have some slides um, from our, trip, our time in Kenya that we'd like to share with you. Um, as a missions report, we have, for the last few years, things have gone kind of sideways, as even Daniel said, just to pray for people. It's, it's like you're almost going, is it okay to lay hands? It's kind of, it's weird. Um, and one of the things that's also affected has been travel and missions and some of the um, uh, connections that we have. So earlier this year, we had Sam Mooney come and he shared about Japan and we have approximately a thousand dollars a year commitment I think it might even be more than that but we have a commitment of or sorry it could be yeah it could be per month we have a large commitment uh, for Sam and then um, we went Livy and I to Kenya where Pastor Nelson had preached and been probably four or five years ago, somewhere in that range, with Andrew and Evelyn Picklick. And uh, the church there, Bible Truth in Kenya, um, sends their greetings to you, Pastor Nelson. Um, they, they think of you as the estately, white-haired gentleman, and uh, they weren't sure what to think of me, but afterwards they, they did accept me. But they, they want to send their greetings. Um, it's amazing to see the family of God you can sit down with them for an hour, and it's like you've been knowing them for years. Um, and tremendous, tremendous people there. Um, so why don't we just start with some of the pictures? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, Evelyn Picklick actually sent me a message that she would um, like me just to say to you because it's for you. Um, so to the Solid Rock Church, we would like to thank you for giving us the privilege to have your pastor David and his daughter Olivia join us on our trip to Nairobi. We had such an excellent time of ministry together, and we know you were praying for us all. Your pastor David brought an extremely powerful word several times in the conference. As well, he visited the new school and the orphanage to see what the Lord has done in this ministry. Bishop Stephen was very impressed with Pastor David's ministry, and he is very interested in having Pastor David come back and help with the training school of ministry in the future. We want to thank you as a church for sending your pastor on this trip, and we are very proud of this ministry in Nairobi. We look forward to future ministry trips with him as the Lord leads. Blessings, Pastor Andrew and Evelyn. Awesome. That's awesome. Now you can um, get to the pictures. <laughs> They actually asked me to join them on the board of the missions program they have, which was an amazing honor. All right, Justin or Cora, Cora if first you could slide. first slide. And why don't you, you've got the wrong order. There we go. Okay. So this is a picture of Bible Truth Church. Up there is the church building. That, this part is their school, which, although it's painted blue, is, is just a sheet metal structure. They make them look beautiful, but it's a sheet metal structure. This is the other picture of the side of the church. This is the front entrance. And this is us. I don't know if you can see all those goats. <laughs> on the main road, like main road, on the driveway up to the church, where the public is on, they herd their goats um, just along the thoroughfare. It, it was incredible to watch. All right, why don't you explain this one? Next slide. Um, this one, the um, two pictures over here are the balcony. They're still being constructed because constructed, the church building isn't completely finished yet. Um, and then this picture over here is of when you walk through the front doors. So you see where they have um, the chairs set up, and then that last one is the stage. That last one is the view that we had. Um, they don't have they have chairs, and then guests and the ministry sit on special chairs, and it's a little like intimidating to sit there. 
because you have your own spot. You're not in a row. You have your own spot, and then you have a space, and then another person. It it was like, oh boy, um, it's the the way they do honor there is um, it's amazing. They they honor, they respect, they revere incredibly well. All right, next set of slides. Um, so this is pretty much who we were with. So over on this side, you've got um, us dressed up in our African clothes. So they made that for us. Yeah. And <laughs> I was almost going to call myself Ron Burgundy, but. <laughs> um, so that's us with Andrew and Evelyn. And then the next one is my dad with um, John. Yeah, the bishop's son. The bishop's son. And John drove us around everywhere. He was um, our chauffeur, so he'd pick us up, take us to church, take us to lunch, take us back to the hotel. Um, yeah, and then this next picture is of the bishop and his wife, Monica, and dad. And then the last picture over there is all of us um, the day that we were leaving. Yeah. And we have a picture of the children. Um, yeah, this is the school kids. That's, yeah. Um, and they see a white face. And it's like, and, um, and they just look at you. And they've got these beautiful big eyes that just open up. And, um, and to see them. Uh, and they just love to, like I'd walk by and I'd just give them high fives. And they thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Like, it's, it was just, so incredible to see these children. I, I told, um, I sent Vanessa a message and I said, if you came, I don't know if you'd come home. Um, it gets you. <laughs> it gets you. And uh, it was just beautiful to see. And then the girls in the red, um, they, they were a dance team. Like, they dance all the time. I learned a couple little moves, but... <laughs> Um, um, you laugh, but I might do that one Sunday. You might see me do like, you know, like getting a little, uh, don't. I dance like David danced in the Bible. <laughs> um, but these young ladies, they, uh, they really enjoyed being around Olivia. And uh, I don't know if we have more pictures, but there was a number of pictures we took with, with the girls just and, and it was a short visit, but I'm sure if it was more than 20 minutes, they would have been, um, they would have been best friends. And uh, it was just amazing to see. Um, so the next slide is of the school. So um, they have seven classrooms on the uh, first level of the school that um, was just finished. And so... Um, they hadn't moved any of the kids into those new classrooms yet because the pastor's conference, um, that's where the pastors who had come were going to sleep. So the kids were very excited um, because on Monday they got to move into their new classrooms and their school, and they just kept saying, it's so beautiful. We love how beautiful it is. Um, yeah, so that's just some pictures of the building the stairs going up to the second floor, which isn't finished yet, um, and then the classroom. So that building on this picture on the left, that's the school building. What happened is they had a new government come in, and the government went to a lot of these churches or private schools and said, you have to have your building to a certain standard. And uh, what happened is this, this church is in what they call a slum. That's not what I call it. That's what they call it. And it is just, you, you, your, your heart just aches when you see it. And in the slum, they have a sheet metal wall and maybe some two-by-four framing as a truss, and then they put sheet metal on that, and somehow it stays up. And they had children in the schools. And that's common. That wasn't just for this organization. That's common throughout and the new government came in and they said, no, your building has to be to a certain standard, not a temporary, but a permanent. And they gave them a very short time to do that all throughout the, the country because there was one place that 
collapsed and nine children passed away. So this building, that school, uh, the seven classrooms cost approximately $140,000 to put up. And they put that up in about a three and a half, four month period. So um, they're excited. They got about a $50,000 budget roughly to finish the second floor. They can put up to six floors on that structure. So they've got one, they want to do at least one more and then they can house high school and increase the size of their school. The next slide is just more of the, the kids and then that's a picture, that's the uh, name of the school, Lighthouse Grace Academy. Just look at all those kids, um, it's amazing. Um, the next slide is um, on the second level. Oh, yeah, sorry, Auntie. These are the schools. Yeah. They, they go home yes. Yes. Yeah. At yes. this school, they go home. Yes. So this is the second story. Um, so they have some framework put up, but there's still some work to do. And uh, John was saying it would take um, about a month to do because the um, concrete. concrete needs to set sure. for 21 days. But other than that, he says it goes pretty quick, which was it's shocking to me. Now, <laughs> some of us that are in building, they're actually in the school while they're pouring concrete on the floor above. Like, I'm looking at it going, you wouldn't get occupancy, but no, the building's done and so it's interesting to see some of the overlap of uh, occupying things and building. Um, the next slide is all from the um, pastor's conference. So um, this slide, um, the lady talking there is Monica, the bishop's wife. And then in the yellow jacket is Martin, um, the bishop's son, and he is a pastor. And then that's the bishop as well. And then my dad and the bishop, and then my dad preaching. I did two sessions. They asked me to do one session on grief and loss, and um, particularly with respect to uh, family or loved ones, um, which uh, I did first. That was the first one, and it, it was actually quite a vulnerable time but the bishop came to me after and he said that seemed to give access into their life that they saw me opening up and uh, I actually cried I know you, you see that regularly um, but um, they have experienced loss through COVID especially it's been it they got hit hard in that whole region and uh, so many of the pastors um, knew people firsthand that had lost their lives. And um, so I shared that first, and then I had another session on something else. Um, the next set of slides, um, you just see the, um, the pastors, and then um, these slides, um, they did some ministry at the end, um, Pastor Evelyn um, really felt like um, before we left that they wanted to financially bless the pastors because um, it's a really hard time down there right now. And so um, within a couple of days, she had all of these finances just come in. It was a real miracle. Um, so she just was like, that was just confirmation of what God was saying. Um, so this is when they, they handed them out to a few pastors and then prayed for them, um, and the pastors were just blown away. Yeah, we actually, as a church, we gave, was it 1,500 or 1,800? You're the bookkeeper, but you don't know. Um, 18, we as a church gave 1,800, and part of that went to this, part of it went to, um, Basically, the pastors came free of charge, and we bought mats for them to, to sleep on and um, provided food for them for the duration of the uh, conference. 
Um, the next slide, you see the classrooms, and those are the mattresses that were bought for the pastors. So they slept there, they ate there. Um, How many yeah. of you would actually go to a place where you have to sleep with other, in another, like, it's, and, and, and the pastor just kept saying, these are amazing mattresses, and I'm looking at it going, I wouldn't get me a hotel, <laughs> please. But they were just so happy to be there. It's, it was amazing. Um, the next slide is of um, a different school and orphanage that we went to that Andrew and Evelyn are involved with. Um, and so you have over, I've got the wrong slide up. No. This here is part of their, their buildings. They make this look incredible. They paint it, they take such pride in it, but that's all sheet metal. That's not brick, that's not wood, that's not stucco, that's sheet metal. And they painted it, and here you can see some of the ripples of the sheet metal and the condition. And you stand on this walkway, and it bounces. Like, it's, um, they, they actually have to uh, take some of this down and I believe it's this section here. They have to take down and they have to put up three classrooms. And um, uh, I'm praying to God about it. It's a 30000 or a $40,000 cost. And they have to do, do something before the end of the year. And otherwise they could be shut down. I don't know if everybody's done the math on that because if they shut down, they don't know what's going to happen with the kids. But they have to provide a permanent shelter and it's in the $40,000 range. And I want to see it done. So you can join me in that. Um, you can go to the next slide. Um, so here, it's, <laughs> it's not matching up. Um, yeah, so just more looking at the structures. Um, this picture here in the middle, that building in the back is um, the dorms where the boys from the orphanage sleep. Um, and then you go down a little path and then there's the school there. There's 68 children that live on this premises. This is another slum, it's not the same, it's another slum about 30, 40 minutes away. 68 children, boys and girls, live full-time on the premises as orphans. And then they have approximately 200 to 250, I don't know the exact number, they have in the neighborhood of 300 students in the school from the, from the slums that come. Um, they are there, uh, the lady, the pastor is there um, from like five in the morning till nine at night, five days a week, if not something on Saturday or Sunday, and she pastors on Sunday. And they just love it. They just love it. Actually, this is her... That's not up. Oh, that's not up. Yeah, okay. You can go to the next slide. That's uh, the couple there that run it. It's Regina and George. Um, and so you see some of the classrooms. Look, look at those desks. Look at that ceiling. No, no... The, the electrical isn't I mean they got electrical lines running and it's like I don't know if they don't have light bulbs in them um, and this picture here is um, they brought us into the church sanctuary and the kids came and um, sang a few songs for us and performed a little um, skit as well so this here is a picture of the slums just on kind of a top of the roof picture of what it looks like it's it's like nothing you've seen unless you've been there it just mind it stretches you no there is a roof and that is decoration so though um yeah yes Um, yes, there is a couple adults that live there, but they 
there's young students and the older ones and the older ones they wake up at five in the morning and they start doing chores and so they're learning life skills and then the younger ones come at six or six thirty but the older ones have made lunches they they clean when we were there they were cleaning a classroom just um it's amazing to see they've they they've been in operations i think 2003 i think the lady said and they have a child that is now graduating from university this year that andrew and evelyn have watched and participated in his schooling and uh, still connected with them he doesn't live there but he comes back and he sees them and so their their vision is to see these children grow up um, give them an opportunity, hopefully they go to university, get a degree, and that they can then become, come back or be a support to them and to the other children. Um, next slide. So on the church property, um, there's a church, a school, and then this facility here, which is a clinic. But they can't operate the clinic right now because the sanctuary... That blue building is in the way. So they can't actually get an ambulance in. So they have to build the school so that they can move the classrooms out of the sanctuary. Then they're going to take the sanctuary down. And then they can start uh, working towards getting the um, clinic operational. The vision they have is um, it's very... I, I I was really impressed by it. They they want to serve the community, but at the same time, they're trying very hard to become self-sufficient and breaking some of the cycles of poverty or that mindset. Um, so in that part of it is the the clinic would be certainly there to help people, but also that they would like to get paid. The school, they have a certain amount of children that cannot afford it and families that cannot afford it, but then the quality of education is to the degree that they have actually people wanting to come to the school and they will charge them. So it's, it's a very, very great um, to see them not just... Uh, asking for money but having a vision to see things grow and expand um and the last set of slides is um just what the inside of the clinic looks like so they have a waiting room pharmacy and then a doctor's office and then like a reception desk so is there any questions i see that hand Um, they have, every area has walls. So when we got there, the facility was gated. Even though the school was in session, the facility was gated. We drove up, somebody came, opened the gate, we drove in. So, so the dirt roads that we saw in front of the church building and stuff, that's their property? That's their property. No, that's like a compound or their property, yes. Uh, no, uh, this is their location. Now, they have connections with the other orphanage, but that is a separate facility, separate pastor, separate church. Pastor Nels? Yes, I can imagine. Yeah, and, and that's part of the new regime. Um, they are trying very hard to upgrade standards so one of the standards is you have a, a pharmacy or a medical facility you need a seven meter space for access with a for an emergency vehicle so you can see that from that one picture the the, the building and then the blue sanctuary literally was a walkway three or four feet wide so they had to close that down Yes, yes, the blue sanctuary. It's the old sanctuary. It's used now as the school, but the school is slowly moving into the new um, classrooms. So they, they're starting to make progress to 
eventually tear down that blue structure and then have the um, medical clinic being able to operate. I mean, they drove in <laughs> and they have a vehicle, say, is seven feet wide and they had about nine feet of width to drive in. And then he gets to the corner and he's doing a tight turn so he doesn't hit the steps. And it's like, um, we, we have space. They, they fit everything in. It's, uh, and, and you see their smiles and you see their life and their excitement. Um, we, as we drove around, you go by the slums and it's, say, a half a mile long, a mile long. And it's just sheet metal with an opening, sheet metal with an opening. Um, there might be a container, like one of the sea cans that we have, and two of them, and they might have a four-foot space between them. And you look down, and it's a long pathway with people, like a village, inside there. They have people that, um, they were fixing cars. They had a torch. You'd love this, Adrian. On the side of the highway, a guy standing there just dressed like you are, shorts, literally, not, not in, in, with a torch, torching off the top of the van. And it's like, and there's one, two, three. They're public transit. They don't have public transit. It's all private. So if you have money, you buy a van, and you have four or five or six rows of seating. You drive up. You hire a guy to be your... Um, guy to bring in you drive you get close to this area where all these other vans are the guy slides the door open while it's still moving stands and pulls himself out of the vehicle and starts hollering at people they load it up they go and then there's other vans that are like a size of a school bus and it's all private and and so now they're struggling with trying to come up with does the government do something for transportation but if they did they'd have thousands of these vans and these buses, school bus structures that are no longer viable. So they've got some real kind of developmental struggles as to how to make the next steps. Um, and the slums are literally right beside the affluent areas. So they've got homes that are beautiful acreage homes that are guarded with gates, and then on the other side of the road, the slums are there. Because the people that work for some of those can't afford homes, so they live in the slums. Um, we were driving down the road. If you can imagine driving down South Fraser Way, and uh, for the length of Seven Oaks Mall, would be right at the edge of the pavement, or sorry, it'd be about 20 feet in, and from 20 feet to the road, people just grew trees, and there was nursery after nursery after nursery. Uh, and it's, it's just um, incredible. One of the things we, cool things we got to do is we got to go to a safari, a half-day safari, and it was just on the outskirts of town. It was like if you drove from here to Chilliwack, as soon as you got off the highway to go to Yarrow, you would be driving into the safari wilderness, and it's wild. It's not man, they don't bring the animals, the animals are there. And we actually got to see a lion. And it actually walked in front. Olivia, why don't you tell them the story of that? Oh, I, um, I had prayed and I was like, God. I didn't. I just really want to see a lion. And I want to see the lion walk beside my car. And then I want to see him go right in front of my vehicle. That's what I want. Um, and we had gone and, um, he had taken us to this one spot where there was a lioness and two cubs, but they were quite ways out. So you couldn't really see them very well. And I was like, oh, that was amazing. But God, I still, I want to see that lion. And then, um, they have like CB radios and all of a sudden just started going crazy. So the guy just starts driving and we're all kind of like, oh, Okay. And then he pulls up, and there's a lion lying on the side of the road. And I was like, oh, there's a lion. She was. Um, and so we kind of sat for a few minutes, but the lion was just kind of lying there. Um, so then he went to turn the car around. And as he's in the process of turning the car around, 
everybody else, there was about six or seven vans there all taking pictures, and they all started to move away. He drove up 60, 70 yards, turned around, and as he's coming back... The lion stands up and starts walking beside the road, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is my moment. And the lion walks, and he's walking closer, and then he walked right in front of the vehicle. I about lost my mind. I almost started crying. Um, and then he, like, went off the side of the road, and I thought, I was like, whew, that's it, like, trip made. And then the radio started going off again, and he took us to another spot where there were two lionesses kind of about the same distance that the lion was. And I was like, ooh, that's kind of exciting. And then the lioness starts walking, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's happening again. <laughs> and the lioness walked, and then walked right in front of the vehicle. And I was like, oh, Jesus, thank you so much. <laughs> so that was pretty amazing. It was, uh, it was quite an experience. Is there any other questions? I'd, I'd like to um, give you an opportunity to give. You don't have to do it now, but I'd like you to pray about it. Um, to ask God if you could do something. And, and quite frankly, I'm not even sure you need to pray about it. Um, I would suggest you take a step of faith. And, um, and, and give. I've, um, they, the, the, the one building is they've got about a $40,000 project, the other building 50000 and that's, um, and they're doing something. What, what I really appreciate is seeing something done. They're doing something, um, and the society that, uh, the humanitarian society that um, Evelyn Picklick is the founder of, they've got like seven or eight orphanages, China, Thailand, Vietnam, Philippines, uh, Kenya, and she just said they have to pick and choose because the, the need is so great. And uh, I am convinced, I am convinced that God honors when we give. I've seen it in my life. I can tell you stories of my life. I've seen it in my parents' life. I've seen it in Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise's life. I've seen it in Pastor Daniel's life where they have given, given, given. And God keeps filling. And I want to challenge you to this is a house of generosity, there is opportunity. And if you'd like to be a part of that, let us know. And we can put the money aside. We can contact uh, agencies to either give directly or do a one-time gift or whatever. But there is a need. And uh, I'm asking God to, to supply those needs. No, you can't. I always wanted to say that. <laughs> we went to one orphanage, and then the one orphanage had a school, and the other one was the school that was connected with the church. There are 68 children that live there full-time, and then in the school, they said there was over 300. Um, so it's it's a... Um, I can't. I didn't see the full 300, but we saw probably a couple hundred kids milling around and in the classrooms. They're not even. Uh, we asked them a little bit, and they said we're not even sure if they, the government knows what's happening, because what happens is, um, if your child is not in school, you you get in trouble from the government. So the government has taken kids that aren't in school and brought them. To, for instance, to the church and said, we want them in the school. So they have the government on one hand saying, if you're not teaching your kid and he's not in school, we will take that child and make sure that they are educated and we'll bring them to these places. The problem is they don't bring them to the public school, they bring them to these private 
organizations because the private school or, or the public system is full. So we're talking to the, the, the people there and they're going, so they don't go to the public school, they come to us private. And so we're getting pressure to take these children at no cost, but they're not helping us on the other hand to say, here's some relief, here's some funding, here's a building. Like, so there's, it's a real tension. And, and they're happening, it sounds like it happens regularly. Yes. Kingdom banks. Lends to the Lord. Amen. He who lends to the poor, lends to the Lord. Gives to the poor, lends to the Lord. And he will repay. That's right. That's in Proverbs. Um, yes, the one orphanage with 68 children, many of those kids um, are there because of tribal wars. And the tribal wars are literally death. And they have seen their parents perish in front of them. So there is some not just coming to go to school, but there's also some traumatic um, things embedded in their minds or in their life that also come to the surface as they're being taught and educated. Any other questions? Yes, they will. I asked him about that, and I said, do you have one already? And he says, no. He says, but as soon as it's operational... There will be no problem to get a doctor. Now, that's because they will pay the doctor. The, the gentleman I was talking about, the school, he's, he's the manager of that property, which is the, the medical clinic, the school, and the church. And he, when the school started going and they, they were getting this building, he, when he took it over, he said to the bishop, he says, I only want to hire teachers. I don't want them coming from the church. I want to hire professionals. So he wants a high standard. Um, the other one, the one with the orphanage, that's only an orphanage, they did a song presentation to us, which was incredible. And they've actually won national competitions um, for some of their drama. So I mean, the, 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 this, the high quality, it's, um, it's very impressive. All right, why don't you stand? And put out your arms, your hands. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you grace. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you.